I cannot think of a place I would rather be today than here with you folks. And I am so thankful that you made the effort to be here today. So thank you for coming to be with the people of God, to be gathered together all over the globe. People are gathering together to remember and celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. And it is our privilege on this first day of the week, the day on which our Lord rose, to remind ourselves of that resurrection and the power of that resurrection. Before we celebrate the table of the Lord, I would like to fellowship with you around the Word of God. And if you have a Bible and would like to turn to it, turn to the first psalm. I also have it on the big screen today. Psalm 1, the first psalm. You might be aware of this, but the book of Psalms, all 150 of them, are actually divided into five books. Five books. Just as there are five books in the law of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, even so are there five books in the Psalms. And most probably, those responsible for putting them into those five books were the leaders of Israel during the captivity, perhaps even Ezra. You know, we have a book in the Old Testament called Ezra. Ezra and Nehemiah, contemporaries. We know that as early as 100 A.D., that these 150 psalms had been arranged into five books. How do we know that? Well, it was the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And prior to the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the oldest Hebrew manuscript we had was dated about 1,000 A.D. Matter of fact, I have upstairs a piece from a Hebrew manuscript. Matter of fact, I have two manuscripts upstairs. I'm not going to tell you where they are because they don't want you to break into my house and steal them, okay? But the mission was given by a dear man who has helped us in many ways over the years. The entire book of Genesis, Hebrew scroll. And then I have a piece that my sister and I purchased many years ago from a scroll that was dated 1,300. So it's 
between seven and eight hundred years old, just one piece. And that one piece is a copy, contained in that piece is a copy of the Ten Commandments. It's a piece that um, a few museums wanted. But the gentleman that owned that piece, when he discovered that we were coming here to New York, would be ministering in this city, uh, chose to sell it to me before he sold it to the museum. And so I'm thankful that I have that piece. And it's a piece from the book of Deuteronomy, copy of the Ten Commandments. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls and found these ancient manuscripts, they were found in in the caves, uh, the Qumran Caves over there in Israel. When I was there a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go and visit those uh, Qumran Cave area. I didn't climb into any of the caves, but right there along the highway, you could stop. There was an overpass, and you can look and see the Qumran Caves and the openings. But when they discovered those scrolls, the most preserved book, the book of the Bible that had the most copies was the book of Psalms. Because the book of Psalms was a favorite. It has been a favorite of the Lord's people, the Hebrew community, as well as Christian people for thousands and thousands of years. And what's fascinating, if you compare those five books of the Psalms with the five books of Moses, you discover that in book one of the Psalms, there are some real statements and phrases and ideas that make us think of the book of Genesis. Details of the fall, details of God's redeeming grace, the consequences of that fall upon humanity and the need for redemption. You see the depravity of man in the first book of the Psalms that covers Psalm 1 through 41. Like Exodus, the second book of Psalms describes the ruin of man rescued by God. And we think of redemption. And it was during the Exodus um, generation that the plans for the tabernacle were given to the people of God. And so many of those psalms in the second book were given to the worship of God and the service of God. But it's a nation being delivered Then you come to the third book of the Psalms, Psalms 73 through 89, and most of them were written by priests. You've heard of Asaph. He's a prominent author. The sons of Korah, prominent author 
of the Psalms in that third book of the Psalms. And you stop and think about it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And what is the book of Leviticus all about? It's about the worship, the priesthood, the offerings. And so there's a correspondence between the third book of Psalms with the third book of the Law of Moses. When you come to the fourth book of the Psalms, Psalm 90 to 106, you discover Israel's relationship to the nations that are surrounding her. Just like in the Pentateuch, you have the history of the people in the book of Numbers, the, the, the kingdom of God in relation to its neighbors. So once again, there's a correlation between the fourth book of the Psalms with the fourth book of Moses. And then you come to the final section in Psalms, Psalm 107 through 150. And there's a tremendous emphasis on the Word of God in that section. The law of God. What's the fifth book of the book of, of, of the law of Moses? Deuteronomy. The second giving of the law, Deuteronomy. And what's fascinating, too, is that every one of these books within the Psalms ends with a doxology, a song of praise to the Lord, and a number of them even end with the word, Amen. Amen. And even the final psalm serves as a doxology for the entire 150, and it concludes, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So perhaps you have found great solace and encouragement and comfort and direction in your own personal life reading the Psalms. I thought it would be fitting this first Sunday of the year to look at the first psalm. I am thankful that God gives us new days, new weeks, new months, and new years. Life is like a freeway, and every freeway has off-ramps. And my prayer is that you will take an off-ramp from the freeway of your life and make a directional change in your life this year with reference to the Word of God. We need to develop new habits. 
They say if you keep doing the same thing for about three weeks, it becomes easy. It's a habit. You think of how you start your day. You probably start your day the same way, just about every day. You have your routine. You might even end your day the same way with a routine. Let's take an off-ramp. Let's change some direction this year. Let's do something new. Let's follow the admonition that we're going to find in this first psalm. And so, can I read it with you? The Scripture says, Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Literally, oh, the happiness of the man. That word blessed is the same word that the Lord used in the Sermon on the Mount in His Beatitudes. Same Greek word is the same Greek word in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament Scriptures. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man. It's a word of strong emotion. A word that reflects and then congratulates an individual and says they're blessed. You ever use that term about your own life? I'm blessed. I've been blessed. Other people have looked at your life and they've said, they're blessed. Well, there is a blessing that is pronounced by God on the life of one who would heed Psalm 1. Blessed is the man, and then three lines are given to describe what they are not, what they do not do. And I would uh, dare say today that as we move into the year 2020, that you will never reach this state of blessedness unless you, just like the psalmist, heed three things that are said. And the first thing is said is, blessed is the man who doesn't walk, nor the second one stand, nor the third one sit. You see that progression there? You start out walking, that's where it all starts, and then you stop, you're in place, and then you sit down. Walking, standing, seated. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. All through this psalm, there's going to be a contrast. This psalm is a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. References are going to be made to righteousness and righteous. 
many references made to the wicked. That's what the psalm is all about. And the contrast in the life is seen by the relationship that they have to the Word of God. Happy is the man, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. It all starts with counsel. What you allow to counsel your life, the thoughts of people, media, entertainment, friends, everything that is out there. Like the pastor I had when I was in college, he's with the Lord now. And I remember him using this expression over and over again, that there are many voices in the world clamoring to be heard. And they're out there. We're surrounded by these words, these voices clamoring for our ear, wanting to influence us. Counsel us. But it's the counsel of people that are wicked. And we don't even realize it. Sometimes I look at this nation like a, uh, 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 a herd of sheep, and they hear everything clamoring, the media, especially today, clamoring at us with their voices, deceiving. You know, the Lord said that in the time of the end that there are going to be people that deceive and people that are being deceived, like sheep led around by these voices. And these people are wicked. There is no fear of God. And they are being energized by someone, and it's not the Lord. If you want to know where all the energy is coming from to guide the world where we're headed, it is not the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 says it is from the devil himself who is moving the world toward a one world government under his head. How do we know this? It's in the book. And so when we see these things shaping up, we're not startled by them. We know they must come. For all of these things must come before our Lord returns. But there is counsel out there. But the man who is going to be blessed is not going to walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor is he going to stand in the way of sinners. When you start listening to the wrong counsel, you're going to find yourself living the same way that they live. Their way will become your way. And in time, you'll find yourself seated with them, and they're scoffers. They just blow off the things of God, the thought of God, the law of God. You know, for many a generation, we've been living under humanism, that man is the measure 
of all things. That's been taught for generations in our schools. We've thrown out the prayer, we've thrown out the Word of God, and we've replaced our Creator with man. We wonder why we're in the mess we are. But what a contrast. A contrast between the ungodly and the righteous. A contrast about their lot in time and eternity. A contrast of stability and instability. A contrast in the psalm between fruitfulness and destruction. A contrast between the counsel of God and the counsel of men. A contrast between the assembly of scoffers and the assembly of the saints. A psalm of contrast. So what is the counsel that God wants us to have as we enter 2021? The man is blessed because he doesn't do these three things. Don't get the blessing of God by pursuing these things. No, you'll get the blessing of God by pursuing the following things. But his what? The text says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. A righteous person does not govern his life on the basis of bad advice but he governs his life from the counsel of the Lord. The law of the Lord. And when this psalm was penned, we don't know exactly who penned Psalm 1 or Psalm 2. Many of the psalms in your Bible, you'll find a title, and, and, and we'll be told who the author was. But Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 don't have that title. We believe probably David penned them. We don't know for certain. But if they were penned by David about a thousand BC, then when he makes reference to the law of God, most certainly it was the five books of Moses at a minimum. And other books that had been penned by that time, probably the book of Job. But do you realize that there's enough information in the first five books of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and especially the book of Deuteronomy to govern our lives? I couldn't help but think of the first chapter of Joshua. Listen to this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. 
Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. That's a lot of territory. By the way, that exceeds what you see on a map today belonging to the land of Israel. This is far greater territory. And the day will come when the nation of Israel will possess all of this. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law, and perhaps you memorized this book, this, this, this verse when you were a child. I know I did. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Be not frightened. Be not dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you know what counsel will bring blessedness in your life in 2021? The type of counsel that you delight in. The type of counsel that you will meditate in. This, the, the, the text says day and night. You know, for a Hebrew, the day started at 6 p.m. And it ran from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. That was the night. And at 6 a.m., the day began, and it ran all the way to 6 p.m., And there were plenty of hours in the evening and plenty of hours in the morning and plenty of hours in the afternoon where you could focus on the law of God, the Word of the Lord. You see, that is your counsel and your conduct, if you're going to be blessed, is to read it and heed it. A blessed life is a life of obedience to the Word of God. But we've got to start somewhere. We've got to get off the freeway of life, take an exit, and determine that in 2021, something's going to change. We're going to get new counsel. And it's not going to come from men. It's going to come from the Lord. 
and we are going to start to read the Scripture like we've never read it before in our life. We are going to begin our day reading the Word of God, and we're going to meditate on the Word of God. We're going to think about the counsel of God during the day, and I find myself in different circumstances with different people. And I'm going to have to be able to pull from my mind and my memory what the Word of God has said so that I can heed it and obey it. The blessing does not come just by knowing the Word of God. The blessing comes by obedience to the Word of God. Something is true about believers They've got a directional change in their life, and they desire to obey the Lord. That's just true. Now, do we always obey the Lord? Yes or no? No. None of us perfectly obey the Lord. But when we disobey the Lord, how do we feel? A little, little, little miserable, right? And we're quick to run to our father just like a disobedient child runs to their father asking for forgiveness so that the relationship can be restored. But a blessed person finds the law of God to be their counsel, and they delight and obey and meditate in it. It's never far from our thoughts. When you're depressed, when you're distressed, you call to your mind God's promises. When you're uncertain, perplexed, not knowing what to do, you consider the guidelines of the Word of God. When your sins loom before you, what do you do? You remember the kind forgiveness of God and His tender mercy and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on your behalf. You look away to Calvary and see the debt was paid. You look at the resurrection of Christ and you see there's new life. And you cry out for the Spirit of God to enable you to obey. Your counsel is the Word. Your conduct is obedience. And your company, rather than sitting in the seat of scorners and having a whole bunch of people around that scorn the things of God, you sit in the congregation of the righteous, verse 5. You love to be with the Lord's people. That's why you're here today. I know you're not here today because we're serving you lunch. We've not served lunch since March. I'm looking forward to the day when we can eat together. I really am. Perhaps even this year we can eat together, get our chairs close to one another, pray with each other in person. There is something about the Lord's people being in congregation together. We're back. And friends, we're not going to close the door. We are not going to close the door. If they can keep grocery stores open, if they can keep Home Depot open for me, 
if they can keep the liquor stores open, if we can keep the church open. That's the company of the company of the righteous. So surround yourself with people in 2021 that love the law of God and desire to obey the Lord. And what will be the consequence? God's counsel directs you. If the conduct this year is meditation and obedience, and you will gather with people that will encourage you in that, then I'll tell you, you will have the same consequences. This psalm speaks of the life of a righteous person. You're compared to a tree, a tree that is planted by streams of water, a tree that yields its fruit in its season, a tree whose leaf does not wither. To me, I look at that image like a tree, and I see stability. I see fruitfulness when it's expected. I see strength, a leaf that doesn't wither. I see health. And the phrase, in all that he does, he prospers. Isn't that the same thing that God told Joshua? If he would meditate in the law of God, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua, get into the law. The law gave Moses. Meditate in it, Joshua. And if you do and will obey it, you will be prosperous. What a promise. That's the same promise that is given to us today. Counsel, conduct, company, a consequence. But my friend, if you will not get off the freeway of life with the next exit and change the direction of your life, you're bound to suffer other consequences. And the psalm says this in verse 4, the wicked are not so. Everything that he just said about the righteous And remember that righteousness is obedience. It's a people that long to obey. God gives us natural families with a natural father and natural children or adopted children or foster kids. But children and adults to teach us this concept of obedience. Your kids disobeyed you because you disobeyed God. And children are to obey their parents because all of us are to obey our Heavenly Father. Life teaches us a lot of lessons. But the wicked are not like the righteous in everything that is said. Their counsel is not the counsel of the Lord. They do not open the Bible, read it, and meditate in it and obey it. 
And they surround their, 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 themselves with people that scoff and delight in sin. The wicked are not so. But what are they like? I mean, here's a life that's like a tree planted, firm, strong, bearing fruit. But the wicked are like the what? The chaff. You know what chaff is? I didn't say chad. I said chaff. Chaff. When they would um, harvest the wheat, wheat harvest, they would take it to what was called the threshing floor. And perhaps you've even read about the threshing floors in the Bible. Where the temple was built was a threshing floor. And in fact, David purchased that threshing floor on which Solomon's temple was built. And when I was over in Israel, I was on that mount, the temple mount, that piece of property that David purchased, which was a threshing floor. And they would put the grain on the threshing floor, and then they would have the oxen trot it breaking the kernel shells off the wheat. And once those were separated, you needed to separate the hulls from the good part. And so you would winnow the wheat. And the reason that these threshing floors were high on hills is because that's where the wind could pass through. And you would take a fork and you would stick it into that pile of wheat and chaff and throw it up into the air. And the blowing wind would separate the lighter hulls from the kernel that you wanted. It would settle back on the threshing floor. And the chaff would be driven away. And they didn't eat it either. Most of the time it was burnt. It was worthless. And the Bible compares the wicked life to chaff that the wind just drives away. You see, there is a day of separation coming. And the text in Psalm 1 says this, The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. We only know this life. We're all alive today. Most of us are getting older in here. I guess the truth is we're all getting older. Could we say we're past the prime of life, most of us? <laughs> Bill and Jill went up a hill, and trust me, that was many years ago. They're on the other side now. You know, and this we get it, and this, this, this life's passing. But the day will come when we meet God's appointment. 
And after death, it's the judgment. That is as certain as we're seated here today. Thank God, because of the kind mercy of God, because of the salvation of God, because of Christ, and His righteousness, and His cross work, that we can be in the congregation of the righteous. Because we've been gloriously redeemed. Our faith is in Christ. He's our federal head. He's our Savior. He's our advocate. He stands like a father in a family, representing all the family. He stands in front of His family. And all of us who have believed line up behind Him. And what He has done represents all of us in His line. His obedience counts for us. His atonement has paid our sin debt. I'm thankful for that gospel of God. And by the way, in this first book of the Psalms, you get to the second Psalm, and it talks basically about the resurrection of Christ. Psalm 2 is quoted with the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ and the promised return of Christ as a king. But the final psalm in the first book contains reference to Christ too, and it is his betrayal by Judas. Christ fills the psalm, Psalm 22 in this section, the very words that he would cry from the cross. They're all in this first book of the psalms, and he's gathered a congregation, and they are the righteous. But John the Baptist in preparation for the ministry of Christ, would say that Christ would gather His wheat into the barn, but He'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The day of separation. They're like the chaff, and they will not stand in the judgment. It doesn't mean that they're not going to stand and be judged. The text is saying that they'll not be able to stand in that judgment. They'll not withstand the judgment. As the judgment comes like chaff, they'll be swept away. There won't be any sinners in the congregation of the righteous, you say, oh man, I'm not going to be there. There are no sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Well, if you're outside of Christ and you don't have His righteousness credited to you, you're not going to get there. There's only one thing that will make you righteous, and it's the righteousness of Christ, but it goes beyond positionally making you righteous. You know what happens? He changes the disposition of your heart so that you desire righteousness, and you desire obedience. Go disciple the nations. That's what Jesus said. Make disciples of all the nations. That's the command. And how do you do it? Going, baptizing, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Discipleship is obedience to the Lord. We must enter 21 
thinking that way. That this year is going to be a year of greater dependence on the Word of God. It's going to be our counsel. We're going to get into it. We're going to read it. We're going to meditate on it. We're going to pull it into our minds as we go down the freeway of life. And we're going to heed it. There's going to be a new desire for obedience. And we're going to cry out to the Spirit of the Lord. Spirit of the Lord, help me right now obey. That's our heart cry. And we're going to gather with other righteous people. We're going to congregate down here because in eternity there's going to be a big congregation of the saints of all the ages. Can you imagine that? It's been gathering. It's there now. And someday we're going to join it. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. That's the conclusion. The Lord approves when it says he knows. That word means he acknowledges with approval obedience. That's what he acknowledges. But the way of the wicked shall perish. Take that psalm. It'd be a good psalm for you to memorize. Take its counsel. Get into the law of God. Read the books of Moses, Genesis through Exodus, many times this year. And especially Deuteronomy. That must have been a book that factored greatly in the life of Joshua. This book of the law. This book that Moses penned. This second giving of the law. This book of Deuteronomy that was quoted more times in the Old Testament than most books. Quoted more times in the New Testament than most books. It was the book that the Lord quoted three times face to face with the devil in the wilderness. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Let's pray.